Welcome to Frankly Judaic, a podcast that explores cutting-edge Judaic studies research conducted at the University of Michigan. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. Rome, 1581. The esteemed French philosopher Michel de Montaigne visits the Jewish ghetto for a public lesson on the weekly Torah reading. The biblical translations Montaigne hears are in Italian, but not the spoken language of the marketplace. Instead, he hears Judeo-Italian, translations of Jewish texts into Italian. According to Alessandro Guetta, professor of Jewish thought at Inalco in Paris, these translations lacked a certain grace. They were extremely literal, word for word, to the point that the Italian syntax was changed. It didn't work because it followed exactly the Hebrew sentence. But as we move into the early 1600s, Guetta says, Jewish Italian starts to change, mirroring linguistic changes happening in Italy more generally. There was the quite uh, rapid adoption of Toscan, which is a sort of national idiom, standardized Italian as a national language. Italy didn't have a political unity, but it started to have a cultural and a linguistic unity through this uh, particular dialect that became an official language. So the Jews followed that pattern. They wanted to be part of the movement. So they saw their own previous written texts into Italian as sort of primitive, and they wanted to be modern. They used the the word modern. Guetta says that the people who were translating Jewish works into Italian were not part of a collective project with guidelines about what and how to translate. Still, he says, with hindsight, we can see some overarching principles that may have guided their decisions. For example, many of the works that were translated in this period were what Guetta calls universal texts, ethical writings or religious texts shared by Christians, such as the Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and the Book of Job. For Guetta, this might reflect a desire on the part of the translators to build a common linguistic ground with Italian Christians. And in in some cases, they added a translation just to show to everybody that we have we have a universal literature. We are not the particular people with its own customs, whereas Christianity has a universal message. We as Jews, we do have a universal message. The period from the mid-1500s until around 1630 saw an explosion of Italian translations of Jewish works. But then, Guetta says, they stopped rather suddenly. To the point that uh, you see Italian Jewish authors in the the beginning of the 18th century, they know perfectly Italian. They read Italian, they they read Latin, they could be able to write in Italian, but they don't. They don't. They write everything in Hebrew. The reason for this dramatic change, says Guetta, has to do with larger societal changes taking place at the time. Everyone, Christians as well as Jews, lived in the age of the so-called counter-reformation, of closeness. So it's, it's a period of exclusiveness, of intolerance. So everyone, uh, instead of opening up to the other, 
they turn inside. With the dawn of the Enlightenment and the beginnings of the emancipation of Italian Jews in the 1700s, translations once again picked up steam. And then they started again the movement. When you see openness, you see translations too. Starting from the, the, the 30s, the 40s, there is a new wave of uh, translations into Italian. Guetta has spent the past several years studying the rich corpus of Jewish texts translated into Italian in this period, and adding to it with previously unknown works he's found. He's been struck by the sheer beauty of the language in these texts, and that's something he's trying to share in his work. I discovered a beautiful literature, a beautiful unknown literature. And I, I would like to share also the emotion which was uh, mine when I encountered for the first time this kind of literature. My ambition is to give the, the reader, the Italian reader, the Jewish reader, a, a corpus of unknown Jewish texts and, and nice literature. Of all the works Guetta has studied, some have stood out for their beauty or for their mysterious backstories. There is a section of a, a, a beautiful philosophical poem written in the 15th century in Hebrew by Moshe of Rieti, whose title is Mikdash Me'at, the literal sanctuary. So this poem, they took the Italian Jews of the 16th century, they took one section of it, let's say one chapter, and they translated it into Italian. Guetta says they because there are actually five different translations of this one section of about 100 lines. Naturally, he wondered why so many different translations, each beautiful and precise in its own right. Guetta has a guess as to the answer. I think about a, a, a poetical competition. All of them, the, probably all of them, lived in Rome more or less in the same years. They belonged to the social elite of Rome. And maybe they decided that they, they had the right to, to make a poetical competitions. So poetic competition, it was made upon a Hebrew text translated into Italian rhyme. Here's Guetta reading a few lines from one of these translations, written in what he calls perfect Italian. Al tempio ve chi cerca un fin perfetto Ove chi vuol pietade, alto signore, vita dal fonte suo tragge diletto. Vencoggi umil con palpitante cuore, benché il mio dir qual goccia sia stimato, d'acqua, polgange e fiume altro maggiore. Something that interests Guetta is how Italian translations of Jewish texts compare to Yiddish translations of the same time period. I was surprised to, to see that the translations, the Yiddish translations, uh, were almost the, always the same texts that were translated at the same times, in the same years, into Italian. So there was a sort of parallel choice of the author's translators to revert them into Yiddish and to Italian. This wasn't always a coincidence, Guetta says. Sometimes Italian translators were trying to keep up with their Yiddish counterparts. There is a, a, an important uh, rabbinical authority in Mantua 
who wrote, we have a translation of this wisdom, it's a wisdom booklet, a beautiful one, into German. When, when he said German, of course, he meant Yiddish, and yeah? they didn't call it German, it's, uh, in, into German. So we, the Italians, we must have it in Italian too. Despite the parallels, Guetta points out, there is a fundamental difference between Yiddish and Italian translations of Jewish texts. Yiddish was a Jewish language, and Italian was not. So, at the end of the day, the, the intellectual enterprise was different. Whether implicitly or explicitly, Italian Jewish translators were writing for a broader audience that included non-Jews, and so they chose a common language. This cultural openness doesn't have to be at odds with preserving what makes Jewish culture special, Guetta says. The translators may have chosen to write in a language they shared with Christians, but at the same time, Sometimes the, exactly the same person, the same author, they wrote in beautiful Hebrew. This duality, Guetta says, offers an important lesson that's still relevant to Jews and other religious and ethnic minorities. A certain social and religious group can show openness and at the same time not losing its distinctiveness. So integration doesn't mean assimilation. You've been listening to Frankly Judaic, a production of the Gene and Samuel Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. The executive producer is Jeffrey Weidlinger. Jen Richler is the lead producer. You can find and subscribe to Frankly Judaic anywhere you get podcasts. And if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening.